Hey y'all, welcome back to the Tri Podcast. I am so glad that you're here. Today I am sitting down with my friend Sierra and I will say this before we even get started. There are not a lot of people that I meet through this ministry that I feel drawn to. And what I mean is sometimes God makes it abundantly clear that he has put someone in our lives for a reason. And Sierra is one of those people for me. She is different. And you're going to hear that today, that there is a light about her because her story is so inspiring and I just know that you're going to love it. To give you a little bit of background, Sierra is a mom and a wife. She's also an athlete and she's been in the fitness world for over a decade. Sierra is a certified personal trainer and a nutritionist. And as an athlete, she has competed both locally and internationally. Some of you might actually recognize the name Sierra Hartwig from the Arnold Classic or the Champ Program podcast. What I'm trying to say is that she's kind of a big deal. But she's also so loving and so humble, and you would never know that she competes on stage at the level that she does because her heart is pure gold, and that's what really shines through. Okay, Sierra, welcome to the Tribe Podcast. Thank you so much. And that made me sound so much bigger than, uh, and more important than I really feel I am. But thank you. That's like the nicest introduction ever. Oh my gosh, of course. So today we're going to talk about the transformation process and how faith and our tribe impact that in a powerful way. So Sierra, tell our listeners a little bit about you and your family. Um, so as far as... Um how I got into fitness, you mean? Well, tell or me about your husband. Tell okay. me about your sweet yeah. little son. Yeah, so uh, we have a four-year-old son. Uh, my husband and I, uh, we met uh, about 14 years ago. So we've been together for, I would say, about 12 years now. I hope I'm getting that right <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, we have a newfound four-year-old. Uh, we also uh, have an insurance company. My husband's a partner uh, in the organization. So we do that, but we're really big on mind, body, spirit. Um, so that's like in our everyday lives and, um, yeah, we're both really into fitness and health and, uh, love the Lord. Um, my husband has, uh, actually went to a all boys school, which was hilarious to me. Like when we first talked about it, when we met and, Um, I thought that was so funny because I actually didn't like grow up, you know, with a religious background. Um, so I thought that was interesting how we kind of got drawn together and being like polar opposites. Um, but yeah, absolutely love that aspect. Um, and then really that's like the biggest thing for us, just raising our new four-year-old, which is kind of chaos, which I kind of (laughs) talked to you about that outside of it. Um, being a new mom is one of the most interesting and toughest, but most rewarding jobs out of everything I do that you mentioned. Being a mom is definitely the hardest. I think that's something that's underrated for sure. But yeah, uh, every day just trying to work towards our goals, like as a family. So that's really important to us. Um, but yeah. That's so good. I love it. You know, I love a good love story. You guys are going to hear this a little bit later, but we have so many things in common and it's just really cool how God brings people together. So let me just say, as far as being a a mom, it is underrated. And a lot of what you're (laughs) going to be hearing in this conversation is it's hard and it's okay to not be okay. And just being a boy mom is so sweet. I feel like it automatically puts us in like a special group because if you don't have a boy, like you can't even imagine the things that are said and done behind closed doors. 
It's like honestly like a fight to keep like another human alive at yes. all times. <laughs> I mean, even like just the daily occurrences of watching him like jump from like one <laughs> object to the other side of the room, like he really thinks he's about to make that landing. You know, like I think that like kind of sums up being <laughs> A boy mom for sure. Yeah. But I prayed for a boy because I was nervous for a girl. I didn't want a mini version of myself. I'm like, what if I get the <laughs> sassiest little princess? I don't know if I can handle that. So I really wanted a boy. Plus, I also wanted a boy because of that pregnancy I told you was like bizarre. Um, I was like, at least we'll have somebody to be able to carry on the name. Yes. Because my husband's the only boy in his family. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Okay. Yes. So can, I was like, as soon as I found out we we're having a boy, I said, just so you know, I gave you your boy, so it's one and done. His family <laughs> thought I was crazy. <laughs> I'm like, I'm serious. This pregnancy is hard. Uh, it is hard work. I mean, that is something that needs to be talked about, you know? Okay, so kind of transitioning into the world of basically being yeah. a high-achieving athlete. Like, what has that journey looked like for you? Um, I actually got into fitness, which... Uh, uh, Man, it has been over a decade, which makes me feel so much older than I should feel. <laughs> um, but I actually got into the fitness uh, industry because of uh, really the health of my family. Um, I know uh, some people know about it, but uh, my mom, you know, passed away at age 49. So um, I was really inspired to <laughs> really live my healthiest lifestyle. She just didn't wake up one day, which... Everybody feels like it's something that can't really happen to them. And then once it does, you're like, holy crap, like mm -hmm. I'm that person that it happened to. But so she was our only parent. And from that point on, um, not really understanding like fully like what caused her death and how that could even be possible. Um, for me, I was like, I want to get into the best, you know, health um, so that I can continue on, especially for like my siblings. I have a younger sister. Um, and an older brother, but it just scared the death out of me, honestly. Yeah. Like to feel like, Hey, that 49 is so young. Mm -hmm. Like that's not normal. Um, which led me to like researching like trainers, stuff like that. So, um, I started basically training with a trainer who actually, uh, was an IFBB pro, uh, which is an association. So it's like a high achieving, it's like the highest achieving when you like are seeing people like in the Olympia, Everyone knows like Jay Cutler and all them like that. Those are like IFBB pros. Okay. So they have that accreditation. So uh, he was that in little Toledo, Ohio, which is a big deal for somebody to have that status. So uh, he actually is the one who kind of um, kept saying, hey, I think you have like a certain look. And I never got into it saying like, hey, I wanted to compete. I just wanted to be healthy and I wanted to live a long time. Yeah. Uh, but he convinced me to um, want to prep for my first show which I definitely was really underrated the process that people go through to compete, like eating the same stuff like over and over. And that was really like what started it for me, um, you know, that time ago. And yeah. it just kind of progressed. And really like I progressed with what I wanted to do with it because I really wasn't sure um, back then. I just thought it was fun. Um, but my love for the sport continued to grow and that's when I started to get really big into wanting to then understand like how things work to make those transformations. Yeah. Because uh, for me, I was just showing up, working out, you know, eating clean. Um, so then like I started to study nutrition and 
um, actual exercise. And, like, I went through the whole NASM process, which is, like, the schooling for uh, personal training. And it wasn't because I, like, wanted to train people Mm -hmm. or do any of that. I actually did that specifically because I wanted to, like, understand it and for it to make sense. Now, obviously, like, I helped my friends along the way. And they're like, hey, like, can you give me tips? Can you help me, like, with meals and all that stuff? Like, I always did that because... Um, it wasn't the easiest process when I first started competing. Um, there were a lot of females for whatever reason who like, I would like try to pick their brain. They weren't very, uh, eager to like help me like along the way, which was sad in the beginning. Um, it really wasn't until like I moved here to Columbus six years ago that like I had, uh, that support system Mm. of like other females Um, And then, like, with social media, you meet a lot of, like, impactful, like, powerful uh, women empowering uh, females. And with social media, that was huge for me because, like, the people surrounding me, like, weren't so positive. Um, But then it's crazy, like, you could have, like, thousands upon thousands of people who do want to root you on. And so for me, that became, like, super inspiring and helped me, you know, keep going. Because I started battling anxiety for like the first time in my life, like after the passing of my mom, which, which is common because, sure. you know, I was diagnosed with PTSD, anxiety, like depression, all that stuff, um, which I kind of like say it so nonchalantly, but um, I never battled anxiety, but it's something that runs in my entire family. And so it kind of like hit me, you know, one day actually before a show and it kind of was like the turning point. And I remember it like I remember like the drive home from checking in for a show and for whatever reason. Um, it was a smaller show and, uh, I'd always went against like 30 plus girls in my height class. And for people who don't like know, like bodybuilding, how it works, you're divided into specific height classes, like in groups. Um, so there's typically like four or five groups cause you're competing against like that height for the most part. Um, the larger the show, like the more people, you know, you're going to go against. I, for whatever reason, up to five, one, which is the category I'm in, I'm up five foot Um, It's always the largest class, like 30 plus girls. So for whatever reason, I showed up to do a check-in in in Michigan. And I remember seeing the list and there were six people on the list. And I have no idea if this is what really like was the thing that started creating anxiety in my head. But this is like, I remember it so vividly. So I feel like it has to be something that kind of like pushed me a little over the edge to start having this anxiety. But I was driving home. Or, uh, and I was talking to my husband, I'm like, I don't feel right. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I feel like I can hardly breathe. He's like, well, what's like, what triggered this? Like, what's making you feel this way? I said, when I was doing my check-in, cause they like measured your height, all that stuff in there. I said, I saw I'm only competing against six girls. Mm. And he's like, what? He's like, that never happens, you know? And I was like, yeah. So, um, I said, what if I'm in sixth place? Okay, this sounds so minor, okay? This is so ridiculous now that I look back on it. I'm like, it's one thing if you get, like, I was like, I know I'm always top five because that's, like, how I've always, like, when I first started, I was always in the top five, you know? Um, And so I was like, it's one thing if you're, like, top five of 30, but what if there's only six people and you're the sixth person and five people get trophies? That will be so sad. Oh, my word. And for whatever reason, I've battled anxiety ever since. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I definitely have it managed now, but that kind of was, like, the trigger factor of, like, what I remember when it first started. Oh, my Um, gosh. But, yeah, so 
it's definitely been an interesting journey since then because it definitely takes a whole lot more power. Me being somebody who's never been anxious or nervous. And I wouldn't say that I'm actually like nervous going into shows because they're just shows to me. Especially like after you have a baby, like things just don't seem as important. Like things seem so minor to me, you know, like no big deal. Like that's kind of like how when somebody has a problem, I'm like, that's no big deal. Let's like, let's fix it. You know, perspective, Uh, right? Yeah. It really changes that like once you're a mom. So, um, it's definitely been, you know, completely different. And when I moved here, um, I met Mike Davies, who's my coach. He's like a world renowned coach. He's actually produced, you know, more pros in the industry than like any other coach I've ever personally seen. Um, he's an incredible human. Um, he really is like an amazing like friend, but also kind of like a father figure, like at the same time. Yeah. Um, because he's mentored me so much like in the industry with, with him, I've literally felt everything as possible. Mm-hmm. Like when I first started working with him and I know you mentioned like about the Arnold, he had six weeks with me, six weeks with me before wow. he had me compete in the Arnold. And I'm like, you really think you can have me ready in six weeks? And he's like, yeah, I can have you ready. I mean, I had several coaches before, but it was never, it was never like a six week prep. So I was so confused. And for whatever reason, um, and I thoroughly believe like my move here, part of it was cuz God like wanted to like bring me to mm. this man because he's literally that for me like he's such like a powerful uh person and impact in my life but um he's like yes we can do it in 6 weeks and I placed 7th in the world in my high <laughs> class so like internationally against like all these different countries wow um in 6 weeks of training with him and I literally and I remember I had no anxiety the entire prep Oh my goodness. And for whatever reason, every time, and I'm, I'm first off his whole like style, his diets, his training is, com- I literally laugh at him. Cause I, f- I'm like, I feel like you just make up exercises. These are not exercises in the book. Like I did not learn this in NASM. <laughs> like he literally had like creates all these different things and he just has like this vision for who you could be. Mm. And to me, like, and he's actually said this, he's like, you know, it's crazy because, like, when I go to, like, the mall or something, I, like, look at somebody and I just, like, I know what their potential is. And so sometimes, like, it's hard for him because, like, that's, like, his passion, you know, uh, like, just creating. And I see bodies the same way, which is, like, kind of weird to people. Like, some people are like, oh, you're up on stage in, like, in a tiny little bikini. Like, um, for me, like, I don't see it that way. Like, yeah. I literally see it as, like, from, like, this science perspective and, like, what goes into like creating and sculpting like your body like to me it's like so intriguing so I get what he says when he says that like I just absolutely love that but he's definitely pushed me to like a place where like I didn't know you know was possible and um I love it because like it makes my husband and I like competitive like a little bit like in that aspect but um yeah that's really like how crazy it's been but like getting pregnant was a whole different you know, milestone in my life, especially like when you're so into fitness, Yeah, seeing your body transition and having such a tough pregnancy, um, being sick through the whole thing that really molded me as an athlete for sure. Yeah. Understanding like what the human body truly can survive, um, has just made me a stronger competitor and, you know, more competitive than ever really in the industry. It's amazing. 
Okay, one thing you didn't touch on, and I was hoping you wouldn't because I wanted to prompt you. First of all, did I tell y'all that this girl was different? Okay, so stay stay tuned for further things with her because this girl is fire. Um, okay, so let's talk specifically about 2020 with your gallbladder oh, and just yes. how you like persevered through that season and then were able to come back, like even after what your doctor said. Okay, so um, as far as my gallbladder and just to kind of like how I talked about having a rough pregnancy. So, um, I actually gained 80 pounds, um, uh, during pregnancy. And so my normal height and weight, just to kind of give you an idea, I'm, I'm five foot and I'm usually anywhere between, uh, 108, 110 has been like my lifelong, like as an adult weight, you know, once I became an adult before that, I was always super tiny, but, um, especially like in the whole, like on and off season, regardless, like that's where I, I sit weight wise. So I had actually come off a show and I remember telling my coach like, Hey, like, I think my husband and I would like to try having a baby. And I remember the look on his face cause he really <laughs> didn't want me to. He's like, like, we, I want you to be like IFBB pro, you know, like he knew that was like my goal. And I was already competing for that, like on the national level. So, uh, he's like, I'm not going to tell you no. I'm like, I said, I literally wanted to basically get your blessing before I started trying. So if you could let me know, like, that's really what the conversation was like. And, um, I just had to, I had to have it out there, see his reaction and know I would be okay. Yeah. Um, because he has, and especially like when you don't have parents, like you want somebody to want something for you. Mm. Like it's just something that inside me, I'm like, I need somebody to make proud. Yeah. It's like a weird feeling. And for anybody who's like lost their parents, like you feel like you're a part of this club that like what created you no longer exist. Mm -hmm. Like my life chain, like the blood that created me isn't there. So for me, it's like, I had like that death and I'm like, I gotta make my mom proud in heaven, you know, Mm -hmm. but also like I need to feel like I'm making someone proud outside of myself because Mm. it's just something like my heart like started to long for after I lost her. Um, So he was that for me. Like he Mm. like has such high expectations. Even when I'm having bad days, he's like, okay, basically like suck it up, buttercup, let's go. You know, (laughs) yeah, he's really that person, black and white. So um, anyways, after I got his blessing, um, he's like, oh, you'll be fine. You're going to snap right back, blah, blah. But I had just come off a show. So I was like literally 103 pounds. Wow. So I went from 103 to 180. So that's literally basically what happened. And so for a body to do that, especially being as small as I am, there were definitely complications. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sick the entire pregnancy, all of that. So I was really excited. You know, once I gave birth, I'm like, okay, I'm like ready. Like I want to like snap back like everybody says because of this imaginary competitiveness in my brain um and losing weight so fast which I actually did not know at that point Mm -hmm. um can actually trigger you know other like health issues so in 2020 um and I had I had Roman Roman's my son I had him um in 2019 uh so when I had him I was like, I just want to like cut all this weight. So I actually lost all 80 pounds in four months. Wow. Um, It was not easy. Mm -hmm. It was definitely a challenge for sure. Um, But again, that's a lot of weight to lose. And so I was actually aiming for the Arnold that year. I'm like, I'm everybody's like, I had a 50, 50 audience. 50% of the people were like, oh, you're going to snap right back. It's going to be insane, blah, blah, blah. And then the other 50% were like, moms who 
not my biggest fans, you know, mm -hmm. you're just going to have that like really in any environment. Um, but I never really paid too much attention to him, but it does kind of give you a little bit extra fire for the people who don't believe in you. Oh yeah. And, um, so I really pushed myself and pushing myself like throughout that experience. Um, I ended up starting to have what I felt like were strokes. Like mm -hmm. I literally thought I was dying. I just started having these sudden attacks, uh, where, all I knew was the pain was so crippling, like I would fall to the floor for no reason. Oh. And I couldn't predict what was causing it. And I I remember the pain would be so bad, like when it was coming on, I'd feel a little bit of what I describe as an onset yeah. of the attack where like my eyelashes would start sweating. Like everything on me, like I could just feel like all this sweat coming from my pores. I wouldn't be able to speak. The pain would be so bad. I started to like pass out from this, okay? Oh, so I started getting rushed to the ER. My husband would scoop me up, take me to the ER. They couldn't figure it out. And I actually had like these attacks where I thought like, okay, am I going to have to live through this? I don't think I can survive this, whatever this is happening to me. And um, so, I mean, again, I was still prepping for a show during this, but uh, they started to get like progressively worse to where like I couldn't even like, I was, I remember looking at my husband on the floor of the bathroom and trying to tell him to like call 911 I thought, like, it had to be a stroke and I was, like, dying. And no, oh. the ER just kept sending me home saying nothing was wrong. But my mother-in-law, um, she actually had her gallbladder removed. And she said, I think you're having gallstone uh, issues. And I said, huh? She said, I've had mine removed. And some of, like, what you're describing reminds me of what I went through, mm. like, back in the day. And I'm like, and so I explained. I'm like, I'm going to the ER. They're not finding anything, you know? And, um, so she's like, you have to tell them to do an ultrasound. Have they done ultrasounds? And I'm like, no. And so when I started, when I get rushed to the ER, I'm like, please do an ultrasound. My mother-in-law thinks it's my gallbladder. They would not. They're like, it's not your gallbladder. Mm. We did like imaging. It's not your gallbladder. I'm like, but did you do an ultrasound? You know, they wouldn't do it. The last time it was such a horrific experience, mm. um, when I collapsed that my husband scooped me up and he said, what hospital? And I said, or I no, you know what? My child was sleeping, so Roman was sleeping. I drove myself to the ER. Is what happened. I and I think uh, both he and my son were both sleeping, and, and I just had to leave. I text him. I have to go to the. I'm driving myself to the ER because I thought I was like actually like this was my time, and I was praying so hard like God, please like I have oh. like a child, please like this cannot be my time, you know. Oh. Um, I drive to the ER again. They don't know what's wrong, but they say you're. Uh, liver enzymes are like super abnormal so we're actually going to transport you to a uh, Dublin Methodist mm. um because you're going to need like specialty like treatment or somebody else to look at this like because here there's nothing else we can do for you essentially I text my husband like hey they're transporting me there and I said can my husband just like come pick me up and take me there and they're like yes so I get there long story short um someone comes in they do like all like these ultrasounds or whatever. A doctor comes in. She's like, okay, so we have your surgery scheduled for tomorrow. I said, surgery? Surgery for what? She's like, to remove your gallbladder. And I said, huh? Like, and I said, I thought there was nothing wrong with my gallbladder. They're like, you are filled. Like you're, you are literally entirely filled with gallstones, oh which was gosh. such a bizarre thing because I had been saying that it was that for so long, mm -hmm. but to have an answer was like such like. A game changer you know yeah. what I mean to like finally hear it my husband's like what on earth you know tells his mom like hey you were right you oh. know 
Um, but I was three weeks out from the Ohio, which was like on my bucket list. I'm like, I want to be Miss Ohio so bad. So if you like win your, um, you win your class division, like that's what they call like Miss, Mr. Ohio, like in each thing. Okay. So for me, it was just something on my bucket list. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm three weeks out. I'm actually ready. Like my coach is like cheering me on. Like, you've really got this. Like, I know you want this so bad. And so they tell me the surgeon comes in and he's like, you're not going to be able to compete. He's like, you're not. And it's going to be a really, really long time before you can. And I said, do I have to go through with this now? Can I wait after three weeks? And he said, like, my fear for you is you're going to end up here tomorrow with how many there are inside you. He's like, it's going to be a waste to send you home. To then you have to try to get back in to schedule the surgery. He's like, we got to do this. Wow. And I remember texting my texting my coach and he said, if possible, like, please try to save your gallbladder because every organ serves its purpose. Mm. And I said, they're not giving me the option at this point. And I just remember feeling like I'm letting him down, you know, mm. it, which was extra hard. Um, so then the next day they ended up uh, taking out my gallbladder and I was the most defeated in my whole life. Oh. It was such a defeating feeling. Um, and I just wanted to be home. It was the first time I ever spent like a night away from my son. But mm. um, they let me like go back and... I had, like, five different, like, incisions all over, like, my stomach, like, giant. And I remember saying, like, hey, like, I'm a competitor and I compete, like, on stage in a bikini. Can you please, like, try when we're doing this surgery to, like, make it as small as possible? Mm. And I looked and I said, did he not try at all? Like, oh it literally looked like Picasso was, like, all over, like, my whole... I said, did he just, like, throw knives? Like, what was happening? Oh. Because he said it... My gallbladder was so inflamed, they had to break it up inside me to be able to remove it. Oh, my gosh. So that was super, super, like, discouraging and disappointing. I remember coming home, and my best friend, who was, like, competing in the show with me, um, she was trying to keep me in high spirits. She says, you know, Mike thinks you can still do it. You know what I mean? And I'm like, the doctor told me, like, you're not going to be able to compete. And it's going to be a really long time before you can. Mm. And, you know, I pouted for myself, which, again, I think is normal. Some people are like, you know, don't, like, pity yourself and stuff like that. But I will say it was, like, a week where I just felt sorry for myself. And um, I remember just, like, walking outside and just, I would go on, like, seven walks a day with my mm. son. And then just push him in the stroller because I just felt so defeated. Oh. And it was, like, uh, probably day five, my friend showed up. And I said, do you want to see? And I showed her my stomach. And she said, oh, my gosh, I did not think it was going to be that bad. I'm like, yes, oh. he, like, destroyed me. Like, I'm probably never going to be able to compete again, you know. And she said, no. Like, I think you can do it. Mike thinks you can do it. And I went to bed that night, and I'm like, you know what? She's right. Like, Mm. which, it was like a weird flip in my head. I'm like, how long am I going to, like, feel sorry for myself? Yeah. Like, if it is, like, possible healthy, Mm. like, I need to talk to, like, my coach. So I showed up, and I said, how can I compete? Oh, my gosh. And he's like, he's like, okay, well, um, well, you did just obviously lose an entire organ. So if you want to still compete, I'll let you compete. Um... But all you're going to do is you're going to walk. You're going to walk for cardio, basically. That's all you're going to do. Wow. And so basically what I was doing was 20 minutes cardio. I was already in shape. Like, I already at that point was, like, show ready before the surgery. Like, I looked good. So he just, like, manipulated my diet 
to like keep me like tight during that time frame which after the week like most of that bloating I literally looked like one of the trolls like or like Winnie the Pooh it was like I never saw my stomachs like so distended like that like Mm. from like post-surgery but um he like believed in me and like that's honestly like all I needed at that point because all I did was like walking cardio like for those three weeks and would you believe my butt showed up on that stage (laughs) that is so crazy yeah so I got second place that's and unbelievable to me. <laughs> I was like, I still felt good though because I got up there and yeah. I was like, you know, I was so self-conscious about the holes were still there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm like, you know what? Like who competes three weeks after surgery? Literally nobody but you that I know. <laughs> so I felt good about it, but I'm like, you know what? I'll be back. Yeah. Like I'll be back. And um, that's oh really what gosh. that experience was like for the whole gallbladder. But yeah, that was definitely rough. And Um, I've actually had three surgeries since because I've had where somehow they don't tell you this. You can still get gallstones after you lose your gallbladder. Did you know that? I did not. I've never heard that. I've had three surgeries and I actually, as of yesterday, scheduled my fourth for the end of November, which I've been holding off. Um, but they go in, uh, through, uh, my throat and then they remove them. And cause yeah, um, I've had like ongoing issues from that and I don't, I haven't had any golf stone attacks like within the last few months, but about two months ago I did and I still battle like some of the nausea from it. Mm. And so they're just going to go in just to make sure that like if there's any more, we'll remove them at that point just because I'm like, I still get the onset a little bit. So I don't know if there's like one or two like still trapped, but I've had to go in multiple times for them to basically remove some extras. I have never heard that before. Yeah, isn't that weird? Yeah. I'm that one person that weird <laughs> things happen to. That's what I say. I'm that one person. If there's like a 1% uh, chance this happens, it's me. You're the 1%. Yep. So that can be a positive thing. Yeah. It <laughs> yes. could be good or bad, but either way, I'm alive, so that's all that matters. Exactly. And you know what? There's a lot of listeners who might not be going through like the same medical challenges, but they're walking very closely with a group of trusted doctors to heal on their own journey. Like Mm -hmm. whatever that is and whatever that means, they need to hear this story. And as you're talking, the word perseverance just kept coming to my mind. And when I started running, which was like over 20 years ago, my dad gave me this little card and it said, great works are performed not by strength, but by perseverance. I love that. And I was like, I still have it in my wallet. That's amazing. I'm just that person. I love that. But it's something that like I continuously have to remind myself of. I think it's even more true when we've decided to walk with the Lord because it's like he's doing a great work of building our perseverance reservoir and just by us being obedient to him, like that's what's happening. And so I hear your story and I'm like, okay, perseverance, perseverance. Mm -hmm. But I know this next part is going to be a hard part of your story to share, but you know, your heart and your vulnerability and just walking inside of your story and growing from the hard times is something that I really admire about you. So one of the things that you've told me before is that your faith is the only reason that you survived the loss of your mom. So can you just talk a little bit about that season? Yeah, for sure. So, um, like I kind of like briefly mentioned, so, um, I didn't grow up religious. Um, my mom, uh, she was Catholic, but Um, I, I didn't go to church or anything like that growing up. I, it wasn't that I didn't believe in God because I always believed in God, but I had a rather (laughs) tough chapter of my life, uh, where I had a really, um, I had lost not, this was before my mom. Um, but I had lost 
a lot in a small time frame. I had a really rough relationship in my life of who um, back then, you know, I kind of thought I was going to marry an individual and we had like a dog. And I know that sounds literally ridiculous, uh, but the relationship, you know, didn't work out. And then like right after I lost this dog that to me Mm -hmm. at that point, like had experienced so many different seasons with me. So um, it actually like broke me to where I felt like it was losing a child. And having a child now, everyone's like, oh, it's not the same. It's not the same. But I tell you, like, I loved that dog with my soul. Mm -hmm. And there were, I just really felt like that dog, like, brought me through so much in uh, my life. And so after losing uh, my dog, like, I had prayed so hard for that dog to survive. And I Mm -hmm. took her to, like, every hospital possible to try and, like, save her. And, like, nobody could figure out what was wrong with her. And she ended up just dying. And um, it destroyed me. And at that point, I basically, like, lost all faith. Mm. Um, And it's just, like, I'm like, why can't things just be easy, Yeah, you know? And at that point, like, looking back at it now, like, I should have asked for strength. You know, I truly should have instead of um, basically, like, turning my back, being like, he must not hear me. Like, that was, like, my thought process. So I'm like... And I don't think it was that I didn't believe in God, but I felt like he was against me. And when I say struggle with relationship, that's really where I'm at with that aspect. And so I started with the company that I'm at now. And this is before my husband became partner. And um, what's crazy about our organization is one of the other partners, the founder, um, Jim Serace, he's actually a youth pastor. Mm. And so... This is kind of like what really captured a whole different light on things for me as like every Monday we'd have walking in power where he'd give special messages and he always made it optional, which I love. Um, And I love this company from like day one. And I know it sounds so silly, but I'm like, hey, if I ever wanted to be in sales for something, I want it to be for something everybody needs. And so we handle life insurance and we're basically working with like different police, firefighters, all these different unions and associations, giving back to the people who basically take care of our community. Mm. So that's what drew me to this company. And we're really big on like philanthropy and giving back. And so I loved like all these messages. However, I would sit like at my desk and he would be going on in the conference room and I would just be hearing his messages. Mm. And so like over time, like I would listen to like what he was saying And it kind of, like, had, like, the clocks, like, in my brain kind of, like, just circulating, like, his messages because I would feel something for them. But then part of me is like, but, yeah, yes, that's true, but God doesn't love me type scenario. Because that's, Mm. like, that's, like, really how I felt back then. Yeah. And, um, And then I remember one day showing up for work and... Um, it wasn't a day that we were having our messages. It was like the following week from like our last one. I remember getting like this overwhelming, weird feeling that something wasn't right. And that's the best way I can describe it. And I called my mom. She didn't answer. And then that feeling got really, really bad. And so I called my sister and I said, Hey, have you talked to mom today? And she's like, no. And, um, I said, I have a really bad feeling. And she said, I do too. Let's call 911. It was the weirdest thing ever. And whenever I've had this feeling that it's like not good, 
something bad has always like happened during that time frame. It's just this weird like intuition that I get. Like I don't know what it is, but long story short, um, we get a call from the EMTs saying to meet them at the hospital that uh, my mom and they wouldn't say what was wrong at that point. Um, they just said like meet us at the hospital. And I kept telling my sister because she's the one who called them since I was like at work. Yeah. Um, I was like, meet them at the hospital. Like what's going on? You know what I mean? And then, so she called the number back and she said, can you tell us like what, like we're going there right now, but what's wrong? Like your mom is non-responsive. Oh. And so I was driving so fast to the hospital. I'm like, how, like how? And even then I'm like, okay. Like I know she battled anxiety like so crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, she also had sleep apnea, diabetes. She had like a slew of health issues. Um, health issues are really bad in my entire family. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, she did get in a car accident not too long ago. Maybe she wasn't feeling well. I don't know. Like the day before when I talked to her, she was having really bad anxiety. Mm. And so like, I don't, I don't know. We go there. And the weirdest thing, because they took us in this weird room that I'd never seen in a hospital ever. And mm. now I know that it's a special room, yeah. but not so special. It's the room where, um, and if anybody has like lost a loved one, it is the worst room to ever be in. You just know something's not right. And they basically said, you know, uh, they sat in this like, this sweet man. He's like, hey, mm. like you're going to want to call your family. Like your mom is very sick. And I'm like, okay, she's sick. Okay, sick how? You yeah. know? And he's like. Well, she was non-responsive. I'm like, okay, well, like, let us see her. Like, I still am not, like, grasping what they mean when they're saying this. Yes. And, um, and they're like, call your family. Uh, you need to get them here now. And I still, like, was like, what is wrong? And so I, like, send a message to all my family. Like, hey, something's mm-hmm. not right with my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get to the point where all of a sudden I'm like, because they're not letting us see her. And my aunt's like, you can say, like, you know, take me to her. Like, they can't say no. Yeah. So I go back in after I'm talking to my aunt on the phone. And I remember I'm, like, right outside and this guy's like, excuse me, miss. And this is a security guard. And I'm on the phone with my aunt. And I'm like, I'm going in there and I'm just demanding that they let me see her, basically, is what mm-hmm. I was going to do at that point. Yeah. And the uh, the security guard, and I remember this, and I can still remember his face and... I've never had so much anger for someone in my life. Mm. <laughs> this security guard comes running out and he was younger. Um, and he says, miss, uh, is that your mom inside? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, she just died. Oh, it's like literally what was told to me. And I like, I remember like hitting the pavement, like outside of the hospital. I'm like, what? Like, and then I just like hang up on my aunt and I go running in and it's like being in a cloud. Like mm. when you're going through all that. Yeah. And I grabbed my sister who is like nine months pregnant <laughs> and with her first child. So uh, I grab her and we go in there and all I remember was like her lifeless body like on this table and they kept us behind like this glass window mm. and um, I'm watching them do CPR on her and this is part of like where the PTSD like I remember it so vividly even mm. though it's been all this time at this point yeah. and I remember, like, right then and there, like, looking at the EMT until this day, I kind of would, like, love to, to like, re-meet that EMT. Yeah. Because I looked at him and I said, she's our only parent. Like, mm-hmm. please save her. And I remember, 
the look on his face. Mm. Like, I can't imagine being, like, that man's family going home that night because I could tell, like, he was doing everything. And that was, like, a lot of weight to hold. Yeah. I think, like, the medical, like, industry in general, like, they do not, like, what they go through. Like, I can't imagine going home to your family and having to be normal after having two girls like that. Mm Mm-mm. Like, say that to you. And I just remember, like, all of a sudden, I two security guards, like, scoop both my sister up and me at the same time. And I just remember sobbing. Like, all of a sudden, like, all the cloud and numbness, like, broke free. Yeah. And they carry us out. And I said, and I screamed, like, put us down. And there was, like, this little brown bench. And I just remember we both, and my sister and I, like, we really weren't, we weren't that close, like, growing up. Like, we were closer, kind of close in age to where she always wanted to do the things I wanted to do. Like, so we always had, like, kind of a rocky relationship. And I just remember grabbing her hand and us both falling to our knees. And I'm like, let's pray. Mm. And for whatever reason, like, right then and there, like, I felt God, like, grab my heart. Mm. And it's such, like, a hard thing to, like, describe. But all of a sudden, I'm like, it's okay. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Um, and I looked at my sister, and we're praying so hard together. And we've never prayed in our life, mm. like, in front of one another. And we just prayed. And I remember saying, um, God will never give us more than we can handle. Yeah. And um, at that time, like, all those messages that Jim Sarace uh, like, talked about came flooding through me. Mm-hmm. And it was such a bizarre thing to feel like my heart. And if you ask like my family or anybody who visited the hospital during that time frame, I think they thought I was on well. <laughs> because after that point, like I stopped crying. Yeah. Because I felt him grab me. And uh. I'm like, Adrian, he'll never give us more than we can handle. Like God's got this. He knows that like she's all we have. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to worry about it. And I remember her looking at me. And she, and she, like, agreed. Wow. Like, she's like, okay. So we, like, both stopped crying. And the whole time, like, we're just, like, I could tell she was a little bit nervous. Like, I could tell. But, like, she was still looking at me. And and I don't know if I would do things, like, any differently. Like, now that, like, we ended up losing her. You know yeah. what I mean? But, like, in my head, I was so certain. Like, just the feeling of, like, how God, like, grabbed me. Like, I just knew I'm like, everything's going to be okay. Like, yeah. so I didn't think we were going to lose her. And that's like, honestly how I felt. And I was so confident that again, like I didn't show emotion like throughout that whole time. And my sister, I could tell was like looking at me like as the person who she's like, okay, I believe you. I believe you. And I remember like people just kept like coming in like, Hey, like we got to like chat like about how long she can be on life support. Like mm-hmm. and I'm like, she's going to be fine. You know? And I remember my aunts looking at me like, she's not fine. Like, and I remember one of my aunts like saying something and I literally looked at her and I remember being so angry. Mm. I'm like, how can you not believe? Like, wow, you, you don't get to decide. I'm like, she's my mom. And she's like, she's my sister. Mm. And I remember thinking that. And, um, I think that's when I started to get like, oh shoot, like God, like he's had this this whole time. Mm. What if I'm wrong? Yeah. What if I'm wrong and I've been telling my sister, like, to hang on. Like, she's so pregnant. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, no. Like, 
he's got me, he's got this. And everything just the whole entire time just kept playing like back in my head about everything Jim said and what God's capable of. So, and every day, like my husband, like being like, he is such a good soul. Mm. Like my husband is the best human being like ever, ever met my whole life. Um, he's like that person who wakes up and reads the Bible every single day. And I don't know what I did to deserve that, Mm. you know, but like somehow he knew exactly what I needed throughout that entire process. And I could not like have done it without him. Um, because he just reminded me of like different scriptures and Mm. stuff like that. He's like, I'm like, I need you to believe with me. Like, do you believe, Mm. do you believe that my mom is going to wake up with me? And every, every time I ever asked him, he's like, yes. Oh, and I needed that. Yeah. And I needed that. And I remember they don't, um, if you don't have a will, um, the oldest living child basically gets to decide like what happens. Um, and so instead of keeping her on life support and any of that, uh, my brother, and I'm sure it wasn't an easy decision for him, but he made the decision obviously to pull the plug of like life support after, uh, I think it was like a little over three weeks and again I know this sounds crazy I didn't think we were gonna lose her yeah um I just I my heart felt different you know after like feeling like all of a sudden I had like the strongest relationship with God it just mm-hmm. felt different so I I can't explain it other than I really didn't think she was gonna leave and I remember the phone call that I got um it was six o'clock in the morning and I saw my phone ringing and I was getting ready for work um, because I'd went home and mm. I'm like, you know, like she's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And, uh, I look at my husband when I see the phone ringing because it's my aunt and my uncle, it's my aunt's number, but it was my uncle on the line. And I looked up at him and I felt something leave my heart. Mm. And I knew I somehow knew, but was like, okay. At like the same time, which was really a really bizarre uh, feeling to describe, but I answered it and they said she took her last breath. Ugh. But again, a lot of people don't know this part of the story, but um, they said she took her last breath and I said, okay, I finished getting ready and I went to work. Mm. And um, like everybody looked at me like I was like the weirdest human on the planet yeah everyone's like telling me like go home and I'm like can we not like talk about this like right now like because God was still telling me it was okay and I was so confused yeah so I went to work and I'm like this is what I need they said we would be able to say goodbye at a certain hour like inside the hospital so I was like you know once it's lunchtime I'm gonna go there this is what I need to do right now I need to be at work yeah and so coincidentally uh, the other partner, because there's four partners total in our agency at that point, it was just the two original. Okay. And, um, he had actually come in town for the, that day to like be with our agency and we never got to see him that often. So, and his is, oh, he has like the most bizarre story on the planet as well. But, um, and this is how I know that. God was there and he was there for this whole scenario. Yes. Because everyone's telling me to leave and he knows, like my husband tells him what happened and he pulls me into my, hu- my now husband's office. Um, he, and he said, 
do you want to be here? Mm. And I said, yes. And he says, I'm going to make everybody stop telling you to leave. Wow. And he said, I want to pray with you. Ugh. He lost his dad and his brother, like, within months of each other. Um, his dad um, to uh, cancer and his brother to uh, drug addiction, mm. literally within months. And he, like, I needed him here or there. And, like, the fact, like, he rarely ever came to Toledo because he's originally from Cleveland. Like, I fully believe, like, God orchestrated these events because, like, that's what I needed to, like, get through that. Yeah. And so, um, he prays with me and, and I said, how am I supposed to survive this? Mm. And he says, you have to give it to God. And, um, somehow like after talking to him and I, I know people like, it's like a bizarre family, like at my workplace, because I feel like he's a brother and that gym is like a dad, like at the same time, you know? Um, but those relationships are so special to me because they were there because God put them there. Yes. Like all those messages, those weren't by accident. That's right. The fact that I worked for the company wasn't by accident. The reason I worked at the company is because the person who I used to have that relationship with that didn't work out, he worked for the company And he's how I ever heard of the company. Wow. And I wanted to work there when I used to see how happy he was, like, at the place. But, like, he wouldn't let me. And so when everything like that ended, when I came back to Toledo from where we moved away to, like, I came back and I'm like, I'm coming back to my family, starting a whole new life again, trying starting over all of that. Like, I had begged to interview at this place. Mm. And God, the reason why I went through all that craziness was to bring me to the company so that, number one, I could find God, my husband. Mm. Like, all the people in my life I needed to survive these experiences, I was going to go through. Mm. And so when I had that talk with Marcus, who was the other partner, I had all of these images flash, like, behind my head. Like, this is why all of that happened. Like, God brought all these people to me. Like, it wasn't something being done to me. It was something being done for me. It was not that he didn't love me. It was because he loved me that he brought these people to me. Like, Mm. and everything started to switch and I was okay. Oh, that's so powerful. And I don't know how I felt okay. And I think people, I don't know if people thought I was cold. Mm. But internally, all of this played out in my brain, like, so fast. Like, it was one of those flip books. Mm. Is literally, like, the best way to describe it. And I went to the hospital. I said goodbye to my mom, um, which was very difficult. But somehow, I just, I was like, you know, like, she's not in pain. She's not sick anymore Yeah. from all the stuff she was going through. And I didn't think I'd ever be able to understand it. But somehow, as hard as that was, I still had that hold on my heart that I felt the time we hit our knees to pray, like, in the hospital at that wooden bench. Mm. And everything made sense to me. And so some people, and I remember my aunt, who, like, I kind of, like, 
got into it a little bit with, yeah. you know, who was like, she's my sister. Like, how long are you going to, like, think this and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, she's going to be okay, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember her saying, because she was like, why do you think this? Why do you think she's okay? I'm like, because God can literally, God wouldn't bring this to us if, like, he knew, like, I couldn't get through it, number one. But God can perform miracles. He That's does it right. every day. Yep. Amen. So you can't tell me, like, what my God is capable of. I'm like, I believe he's he has her because I feel he has me. Mm. And um, she said, are you going to hate God when she doesn't survive? Wow. And I remember at that time, like, I stopped talking. And I walked out. And I really, like, thought about it. And I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. I'll never go back to that way. Mm -hmm. I will never go back to feeling like he doesn't, like, love me. Like, no disappointment can make that happen. But I still believe. And I really sat there and had a whole internal conversation to make sure, like, she wasn't right. Wow. And I was okay. And I, it was confusing for sure. And I think it brought me and my husband closer than ever. You know, like, I know sometimes death, like, makes things harder on people and stuff like that. But for whatever reason, like, he had me through that whole process. Mm. And the hold, like, I felt, like, on my heart, like, it's so weird. I've never, ever, since that day we hit our knees, I've never, like, second-guessed him. Wow. That's faith. I And I can't describe it because I'm a completely different person than I was mm-hmm. beforehand. And it was just a whole flip. And I would say the brain, but it's not because it's my soul for sure. Yeah. It's the heart, right? And it truly is incredible. Like, I think, and I don't like this aspect But I do feel like, and I wish it's something that other people could. You know how they say you have to see to believe? Yeah. But for me, it's like, I always was like, I need to know why it's happening. Yeah. Okay, first off, who am I to say, like, let me make a demand to God? (laughs) You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But, like, I was that person, and I said, I need to, and I can't explain it other than, like, when you know, you know, and all those flashbacks literally it explained to me why God was doing everything. And I said, I will never have to second guess him again. Like my whole life played out of what I thought was my darkest times were preparing me for the best life, the life like I needed Mm. because God was placing all these important people in front of me and they would never happen if I didn't go through that. So true. I would have never survived that experience losing the most important person in my life, in Mm -hmm. my sister's life. I would have never survived that if he did not come to me like at that very moment. And I swear, like our knees hit the floor and he, he grabbed me. Oh my gosh. It literally was like, he caught me at that very moment. And that's like the best way to describe it. It's so powerful. I mean, the imagery of that, like, because the way that you describe it, and I've heard this story before, but the way that you describe it, it's like, I can just picture that, you know, it's like such a visual thing. And I'm telling you right now, there's someone listening today that's going to hear this story and be impacted by it. Because if I've learned anything, it's that God is in the business of redeeming our stories. 
So the sad, the lonely, the heartbreaking times, what God is doing is he's building our character. And that character building is what's teaching us perseverance. And then perseverance is building resiliency. And I mean, you know, it goes on and on. Okay, so one of the things that I can tell you about Sierra is that she loves life. She has a positive attitude and an energy that is so contagious, and she has made it her mission to pay it forward and to put in the work and really just be the best version of herself. What she shared with you today is a part of her story. It doesn't define her, but it certainly motivates her. And here's what I've learned from Sierra is when we figure out our why, And then we begin to take steps to make changes every day. We are growing into the men and women that God has called us to be. And it's such a powerful concept, but my friend has figured it out. She is a living, breathing, walking testimony of resiliency and what it looks like to overcome hardships and to be stronger and better on the other side. Sierra, thank you for your heart for your story and just for the way that you live your life and you love the Lord. I am truly grateful for your spirit and for this opportunity, not only to chat with you today, but just getting to know you and walk through life with you. You are such an inspiration for me. You're an inspiration for me. Thank you for having me for sure. Love you, girl. Let's make heaven crowded. I'm praying for y'all and I'll see you next week.